recently, my small business, Sunless Ray, came out with our very own self-tanned mousse set. Our mousse is vegan, non-toxic, meaning none of those harsh chemicals you see in other self-tanners. It is cruelty-free and has a fresh out-of-the-shower smell. You will not smell the self-tanner at all, and the best part is it is literally dry in 60 seconds, meaning it won't be on your sheets and it won't be on your clothes. Our set comes with our buildable mousse, application mitt, and exfoliating mitt. You will have everything you need to have the perfect at-home tan. For our listeners, I am doing a special promo code, GIRLBOSS, for free shipping. That is all one word, GIRLBOSS. And you can purchase our mousse set on sunlessray.com. Don't Call Me Girl Boss is an unfiltered perspective from women small business owners. I'm your host, Jessica Buck, and I have been a small business owner for six years and counting of Sunless Ray, which is a spray tan business. I have a location in Orange County, California, and I'm currently doing mobile spray tans in Austin, Texas. I have also started selling my own online Sunless products. In this podcast, I interview like-minded women business owners who have been through all the stages of owning a business or are just starting one. I hope the stories you hear in these interviews will help you become the best version of yourself. Hi, Morgan. Thank you so much for coming on. Don't call me girl boss. I was so excited when you said you would come on the podcast. Yay. I'm so excited to do this. I'm so excited you're doing a podcast like this. I love it. Yeah, it's been super fun and just kind of excited that people even want to be on it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But yeah, so you are the owner of Fuck Mascara, which is spelt with a V instead of a U. <laughs> yes. And it, it is an eyelash extension business located in Austin, Texas. And you most recently started mentoring and training other lash artists. Yes. Perfect. So you have one of the best Instagram aesthetics I've seen, and I just can't wait to get into the questions I have for you. Um, so where do you think your entrepreneurial spirit started? Uh, honestly, I like have been thinking about this and I am not totally like 100% sure. I grew up um, with a dad who was like very, he's in finances, he's a trader and he has like a hedge fund and my older sister is an academic and my middle sister is a graphic designer and I'm not like it wasn't something that like ran in my family. Um, I went to college in Colorado for one year and majored in photography <laughs> and don't know why. And I didn't like it. And I moved back to Chicago and went to um, an art school in the city of Chicago. And I started majoring in fashion retail management um and that's kind of where it took off from there I started working in a small boutique uh managing it and while I was going to college and I think like seeing a younger girl opening a boutique and being successful kind of started me thinking that I could do the same thing yeah Um, so just to take it back a little bit um do you remember like any entrepreneurial experiences from a young age like I remember in high school, this is so bad, but like my parents would give me a gas card 
and then I would fill up my friend's gas tanks and then I would keep the cash like that's like the, <laughs> oh my sh- such a sh- I was such a shitty person in high school but like is there that's anything amazing. like that <laughs> is there well, anything like that you had in the town I grew up in we had like a fourth of July um art fair it was I grew up in a small town um um outside Chicago and me and my friends made yo-yo balloons I don't remember what these are (laughs) I'm old um but we like had like these water balloons that you attach to a rubber band and they were like yo-yos and we made so much money on them every summer and we must have been in like third fourth and fifth grade and it was wild and we would walk around we didn't have a booth or anything we would just walk around like the fair that you're supposed to pay money for a booth and sell them because kids would just like go wild for them while we were using them (laughs) that's great was it like a whole crew or who was it your idea or how did that get started I don't know I think it was um just me and my friends like saw them somewhere and it took off from there (laughs) we ended up just doing it every summer but we made a lot of money it was pretty impressive that is impressive. I love little stories <laughs> like that. And I feel like when you really think about it, there is like some moments when you look back and you're like, oh, that was kind of like the start of it. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then always worked. Yeah. What did your mom do? Did she work too? Or? My mom, um, she, my mom's nuts. And although she never had to work because my dad was able to provide for us, um, she has always had a job she still works today um she always worked at a flower shop in the town that we grew up in and she always substitutes um teaches in in the town that we grew up in as well so she's never stopped working and my dad still works to this day and they're both in their 70s so it's pretty well do you think you get a little bit of your hustle from them then yeah probably I mean I think they both kind of have the mentality that like you know, if you stop working, like, there's, like, nothing else, you know? Yeah, what do you do? Yeah, like, I always go back to that saying, like, you have to, you know, pedal a bike, you have to ride a bike in order for it to move, you're just standing there, it's gonna fall down, so, yeah, gotta keep going. (laughs) Yeah, and then were you, like, obsessed with makeup, or, like, even mascara at a young age, or anything like that? Honestly, no. My journey into the beauty business was later and not later in my life. I'm not that old, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, you're not later that old. In my career. <laughs> We're like the same age. <laughs> um, I no, I literally just kind of fell into it. Um, yeah. I started off, you know, I said I went to school for fashion retail management and I opened a boutique in Chicago, a a women's clothing boutique, and I had it for four years, and I ended up closing it, and I feel like I need to start this story over. (laughs) Yeah, like, we'll definitely get into that, but okay, how did you even go from photography in Chicago, (laughs) like, can we start there, like, that's just all over the place. Okay, so I went to Colorado State University. Uh, Everyone in the high school that I grew up in ends up going to school out of state. And so I kind of followed the pack. And most of my friends ended up going to 
University of Colorado Boulder, Colorado State University, or Colorado College. And I literally was like, well, this is what people do. So I'm going to go to Colorado State. And I got there and I hated it. I, it's a big university. I, I'm not good at school. I really like, you know, had no motivation to even go to class. And I'm not even like that person that like skips class and like goes and like drinks all day or something. I just like blended in with the crowd. I didn't need to be, so I didn't go, you know what I mean? Like there's <laughs> yeah. so many kids in, in the classes and it just was not a good fit for me. And I was majoring in photography because you had to pick something. And that's just like what I gravitated towards. It's not like that school is like known for photography or anything. What do you so, think? You would just be like a photographer out of college then? Honestly, I had no idea what I was thinking. I can't even tell you. And I left that school. Like I was so unhappy there. And I left and I moved home um, back to Chicago. And I went to yeah, a small art school in the city of Chicago. And it was actually my older sister who told me like, you know, why don't you major in fashion? Like you're so into it. Like you're always helping style your friends. And like, I was always trying to like find like someone would be looking for a specific item of clothing that like they saw on like Laguna Beach or something. And I would like, oh my gosh, I love that show. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I was always like, trying to like help people with styling and whatnot and my my oldest sister was like you should major in this and I was like I kind of like didn't even realize that was an option at the time you know like fashion being a thing and so during school I wanted to become like a buyer for like a big um, department store or something and that was my aspiration at the time until I started working for um, a small boutique in Chicago and she was like a younger girl and I was like oh you know this is like a thing that I could actually do yeah it's interesting when you're that's because that's how I started thinking that I could own a business because I was around other people I'm like you know you're not like super smart you kind of like I'm kind of like you like I think I could do it too (laughs) because you think of business owners Yeah, exactly. Like you think of business owners as like these like super smart, rich, already rich people or something when you're young. And then once you get really around them, you're like, whoa, like, yeah, it's really more obtainable than you think. Right. The mentality of like them being older and like already successful when you could just figure it out as you go too, you know? Yeah. And that's what they did. And they're not always super smart. A lot of business owners aren't. They just work their ass off. Agreed. Okay, so then you were working for her and you're like, okay, was she not paying you enough? And it was just like, I could do this or how did that go? No, I stayed working for her for a while. Um, and I left the boutique because I got a job with a jewelry company that's, I don't want to say their name because I had a terrible experience. Um, yeah, no worries. But they're a huge <laughs> jewelry company that's based out of Chicago. and. I got along with the owner of the jewelry company. It was a, she's a woman and she was um, in her thirties at the time that I worked there. And I definitely got along with her. I don't know why she gravitated towards me, but she was horrendous and I could not continue working there anymore. And so I started managing a different boutique and then, um, I once I started working at this next boutique I was like 
this is crazy. Like I'm smarter than this girl. Like I can do this. And that's when I like started the process of opening my own store. And so where did you open up like a brick and mortar? Yeah, I opened a brick and mortar on Dana Avenue in Bucktown in Chicago. And I did you take out a loan or was it all self-funded? It was self-funded and um, I got a co- my dad co-signed a loan for me. So okay, I had some help there. Um, and I simultaneously opened e-commerce at the same time. So that was it, which is basically an entirely like an entire other store. <laughs> it's like yeah. two separate things. And mm-hmm. I kind of didn't realize how big of an undertaking that would be. Um, my biggest obstacle with opening the store was right when I opened, and these are learning lessons that I've taken with me. Um, I opened the store under the name The Edit, which I branded, I trademarked in my state. And I opened and maybe like a month or two after opening, I got a cease and desist letter from a store called Edit in New York. And I had to change the name of my store. Oh my gosh. So that was like a huge thing after I'd done all this branding and like, you know, it costs so much money to have like everything made, like from business cards to like shopping bags to signage outside the store to like you know, the website. So it was a huge thing to change the name. So that was like my big obstacle. Yeah. So if First someone was listening, <laughs> is there a way to like, go- like Google that? Yes, to like- there is federal trademarks that you need to look into. And you okay. can have a trademark lawyer help you all along the way with that too. And I think that's like one of the most important lessons I've learned. No, like- yeah, I agree. Uh, and I was I was definitely young when I opened the store and it was such a new thing for me and like, you know, my family helping me along the way that like, and I had lawyers involved too and it just kind of slipped through the cracks. So, oh, I've made so many mistakes. It's not even funny. Right? So it's just <laughs> like. Good. They're all learning experiences that you get to take with you and to help yeah. other people too. So, so what'd you change it to? I changed it to Edith Hart, which was my dad's mother's name. And she was kind of like my fashion icon. She was just like a boss. And she had all this like glam when we were growing up. She had so much jewelry and like she was just it. So we changed it to that. And it was it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> yeah. So how did you get your first sale? Like where were like the first beginning steps? Um, I picked out brands that I loved and wanted to carry in the store. And at the time, like I gravitated towards all these Australian designers. And so that was kind of where everything happened it was it was like all these small Australian designers, but they were really good price points. And um. Yeah, I just went from there. I went to shows, you know, in New York, you have to go like to buying shows and it's like very overwhelming. And I had done a couple of them before with my previous jobs, but it's scary. You're spending a lot of money and, you're, you know, yeah, um, but it, it did like it. It was good while it lasted, but I 
transitioned out of owning the store because my lease was up and I knew I wanted a smaller space. And at the time, like I was going to have my lease up was like, it was like retail was booming on the streets that I had in my store. And all these national retailers were coming in and taking up all the tiny spots. And I wanted a smaller space. So I was like, I'm just going to close and focus on e-commerce until like I find the right spot for the store to open back up basically. And, and why, why was that? Was it not doing well or was you just over it? You know what? It was, it was like a big undertaking for me. And I think I loved it and I learned so much from owning the store. I just like, I think maybe like my heart wasn't fully in it. Like mm-hmm. I love working with people. Obviously you have to love working with people with retail and still in what I do today you have to love, you know, working with Yeah, people. you do. But it was like the numbers game for me is not my strong suit. Like my dad's always like, you have to look to the numbers. Like, you know, he's such a numbers guy and I am not. I was terrible at math growing up and like, yeah. it's just not my thing. And um, the store was, it wasn't like I was failing. I just knew I would have made so much more if I was in a smaller space. So that's why I wanted to move into a smaller like location for brick and mortar. And it just never, you know, once I started through doing just e-commerce, I just like, yeah, it was just not for me at then. And I started doing other things. Yeah. What kind of like advertisers you do a bunch of advertising? Like how did you get people into your store? You know what? Instagram had like almost just started then. And I did some advertising. I had, Um, a company working for me like a small company out of Chicago and we got a ton of people from Instagram even though it had just started like that is when I feel like I made like the biggest impact was through Instagram and yeah I mean it was a lot of foot traffic on the street too and I had worked so hard on clienteling that that was kind of how you know we had our clients was just make building relationships with people and yeah what did um did you have girls working for you or did you run yeah I did I had girls working for me Um, how was that it was good I think that that was something else that I learned is not my strongest suit probably because my boundaries as a boss are hard were hard for me to like set I loved the girls that I hired and they became, you know, my friends. And I think that those boundaries get crossed so easily when they start viewing you less of a boss and more of a friend. And that was hard for me. (laughs) So I think, you know, in what I do now, I really don't have to do that. I don't have to have like an employee where I have to deal with those boundaries being crossed. Because that is, it's difficult. Yeah, what would you do different looking back? Um, Just not make, you know, not have such personal relationships, I think. It's really, it's hard not to, especially if it's like just you and one other person working. But it's... I know, it's really hard. I managed a team before in like a corporate type atmosphere. 
And, you know, in the beginning, I was so young, I was like 23, and I would go out with them afterwards. And then it just, you know, it gets really weird. And you just. (laughs) And I was younger, too. And like, there was like, I would go out with them. And then there there was like drama with my friends or like my guy friends and the girls that were working for me. And I was like, oh, my (laughs) God. It's like a TV show. Yeah, I was like, this is, you know, like, this is too much. (laughs) So. It's hard, but yeah, that was definitely another big learning lesson from owning the store is like that probably wasn't my strong suit. And maybe it would be different now because I'm older, but yeah, learning from that mistake was, you know, big knowing. Yeah. Knowing so did you, <laughs> did you fire them when you closed the store then? Yeah, I, I helped all them move on to other jobs and they're mm-hmm. all doing great now. <laughs> yeah so you close that store you do e-commerce mm-hmm. fully how does what does mm-hmm. that look like it was a lot of seo and you know search engine optimization and things that i was was not super familiar with that had people i had people working for me with that um it was a lot of social media and it was a lot of photo editing and um you know and putting stuff into a website which is stuff that has helped me out obviously today because I was doing it back then. And um, yeah, I think I did that for a while and online retail, online commerce, e-commerce is maybe like (laughs) with women's clothing is maybe like one of the toughest markets to break into. Oh, Especially if, you know, revolve or shop up or any of these places pick up the lines that you have like you're done like everyone's gonna buy from them instead of you you know so yeah e-commerce is super tough for women's clothing so I'm always impressed when there's small stores that break into it yeah what would you do that would separate yourself is there anything like you'd have any tips or anything like that for someone who maybe owns a clothing store wants to own a clothing store I would say I feel like you know what, now it, it's so hard. I think you have to do e-commerce. I think, you know, brick and mortar is so hard. And even in like, you look at today's environment with COVID, like, oh my, you would have to, you would have to be e-commerce, you know? Yeah. Even like, you can't even like try clothes on at places now. It's such a wild time to be alive, but well, I, I think say, as COVID is like a whole learning lesson because right. even me as a service, as you as a service now with lashes, you know, when that service is done, you only have online sales. So mm-hmm. I know I will never not be selling something online because right. of what happened. Right. Yeah. Which props to you. That was <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think e-commerce you have to and you have to be good at advertising on Facebook and Instagram and social media and um it's an undertaking (laughs) yeah and then so how long did you stay in that what what ended up happening um I it just it was too hard to keep up with the bigger uh you know online stores so So, you just ended up shutting it down or did you sell it or no I didn't sell it I just ended up shutting it down and you know I always go back to when people ask me about the store and I'll still get girls in Chicago being like, I miss the store. And um, <laughs> I, I pretty much cry about everything. Like I could probably cry right now if you wanted me to. And I never <laughs> cried about closing the store. So that always told me something <laughs> like, yeah, you knew it wasn't for you. Right. 
So I moved on from that and I stayed in Chicago for a little while. Um, and I ended up working for another big fashion label out of Chicago. And I, I wasn't really doing retail for her. I was like doing back end stuff and helping her, um, with sales and social media and stuff. And after that, I had some personal relationship issues <laughs> and I moved down to Austin for one year. And I lived here for a year and I um, just wanted a fresh start, which as we all Why know- Why Austin? Um, my sister had just moved here. She works, she's a professor at UT. So okay. She had just moved here. I came down here and visited her. And I was like, okay, I'm going to move out of nowhere. Came down here, um, worked at a really high-end small boutique here in Austin. And I got back together with a horrible ex-boyfriend. And I moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin to be with him. (laughs) And this is where (laughs) my last story begins. (laughs) Okay, so you move there, and then what? How even lashes? I feel like that's just so different. It is so different. So I had always had lash extensions on, um, and I moved to Milwaukee, and I started working for a store in Milwaukee, a small women's like little boutique, and I started doing their social um, and helping them with their e-commerce and whatnot. And it was not taking up a lot of my time, and. I was telling the girl who did my lashes at the time, I was like, this is just not enough work for me. And like, I'm bored all the time. And she was like, why don't you do lashes? And I was like, oh, like, I don't have an esthetician license. I don't have any of that. And she was like, oh no, in the state of Wisconsin, you don't need any licensing for lash extensions. And I was like, eh, you know, I don't want to do lash extensions. I just want lash extensions on my eyes. And she was like, you can make a lot of money. And I talked to her for a long time. She ended up becoming a close friend of mine. And um, she pushed me to do it. She trained me. And that's how it started. I started working out of my uh, apartment and taking clients out of my apartment in Milwaukee. And <laughs> it, yeah, it grew from there. Um how did you, I, so you're brand new to that state, that city. How mm-hmm. did you network? How did you get clients? Um, well, my boyfriend at the time, he played on a indoor, I'm so mean. I don't care. He's Satan. Um, <laughs> I play, He played on an indoor soccer team and I was friends with all of the girlfriends and wives of the soccer players. And so I had like, built-in clients already so I like took them all as models they were all my friends and then the girl who trained me like referred people to me and it really just started from there and I was on social a little bit but not really and I was working under a different name of course and I just put all of my energy into it I really liked doing it I didn't realize how much I would like doing lash extensions until I started And it's also interesting that this girl was willing to train you because you're going to be her competition, right? She was a full esthetician. She is a full esthetician, excuse me. Um, She really is more, uh, was more on the microblading side. And basically she realized she was allergic to lash extension adhesive and she was stopping 
Oh, working. that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I paid her to train me. She didn't just yeah. do it for free. <laughs> yeah. So you start there. How's and then you get super busy, super booked. What does that look like? Um, I. So then, of course, I ended up breaking up with the boyfriend, and I moved back to Chicago, which. My parents' house was only about a little over an hour away from where I was working in Milwaukee. So I just started, rented a space in Milwaukee, and I started um, driving back and forth and taking clients in Milwaukee and then driving back to Chicago um, to live. And I did that for a while. Um, And then I moved back to Milwaukee. And yeah, my, it was really word of mouth. In Milwaukee, I had an older clientele than I do here in Austin. So a lot more like of a natural look. Yeah. (laughs) Which is not really what I do here. Um, And yeah, it was really word of mouth. And then in Milwaukee, I was, you know, following all these lash girls. And I was like, I need to learn volume and mega volume. Like this is, you know, where you make more money. And I flew to Toronto and took a course with two young girls who were like 19 at the time and they're huge now which is amazing but they taught me um, volume and mega volume and I um, went back to Milwaukee and just kept going and I feel like a lot of more younger girls started becoming attracted to my Instagram page and you know, I had girls, there's not a lot of influencers in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, <laughs> but I definitely like built a following with, you know, there were some girls that had a good following on Instagram and they definitely helped me out there too, just from doing their lashes and them shouting me out and whatnot. How many clients were you doing a day? Oh my God. I was doing an I would never do this again, but I, there was days I would take like 10 people a day, which is a lot back to back. I mean, you just sit in a chair, do lashes, you get no time to eat, no time to like do anything. And then that's your whole day and your back gets so messed up. (laughs) Well, you must've been crushing it then. That's, I mean, the positive of that. It was, yeah, I was like, this is amazing. And, you know, rent in Milwaukee for a lash station space was super cheap and yeah I was I loved it it was and then you ended up leaving so then I met my current boyfriend and my parents had just bought a house here in Austin um and I he had my current boyfriend had never been to Austin I was like oh my god you would love it like let's go down there and visit so we came down here and of course, he fell in love with it because who doesn't? And yeah. he is in the fitness industry. And compared to Milwaukee, people in Austin are much more fit and focused on like healthy lifestyle. And he wanted to open a boxing gym at the time. And we moved down here together um, April 2019. So how did you just walk away from your business in Milwaukee? Like when I, (laughs) I could not leave my business in California. Like there's no way, like I had to keep it running or sell it. There was no option for me. Like, how did you do that? Um, I mean, 
<laughs> I trained a lot of girls in Milwaukee to do lashes. And I didn't want to stay there. I wanted to move back down to Austin. And I was like, this is my chance. Did you uh, think my... about having girls like work under you or anything like that? Nope. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And there's a reason for that. It's because that's not what I believe in a lash artist should do. I want girls to work for themselves. I don't want people working under me. And I think that like, there's so many places like little lash boutiques or what are they called here? Like lash lounge. Um, amazing lash or something. Yeah. Amazing lash. And those girls make an hourly wage and I know. I'm just like blown away. Like you're putting the work in. you're putting that you're, you know, of course the place is paying, paying for your supplies and, your overhead is covered, but you could be making so much more money. And I would feel get, like it's my personality and I would feel guilty having someone work under me and being like, you know. Well, why do you think some women will, because some women prefer that. They don't want to own their own business. I've encountered a lot of people like that. What do you think separates I, people like that? I think it's, you know, there's people that have the personality where they're like, I want a nine to five and I don't want to think about it when I go home and I'm happy with what I'm getting paid and that's it. And then there's girls that are like, no, like if I put more into this, I get more out of it. And the more time and, you know, energy I put into this, the more money I'm going to make. And I think, I think if you could convince some of those people that love, you know, nine to five and nothing more, you could like take them on a day with you and, you know, show them how much more money you could make. Maybe you could get some people to transition over. But I do think it's like that in any industry. Like I have friends who, and I'm not saying they're not like ambitious people, but they don't have ambitions past their current job. They're just fine with it. And that's okay too. You know, if you want to do that, that's totally, it's your life. It's your decision. But I think that, if you're going to do lashes and, you know, you're going to spend the time to get and money to get trained and, in you know, in Texas and most other states besides Wisconsin, I think there's only like six states now where you don't need any licensing for lash extensions, which is good and bad, of course. But so you got licensed when you moved to Austin, right? Correct. Um, Texas is the only state that has. Uh, licensing for eyelash extension specialty license (laughs) they're the only one and the hours are I think it's like 300 something hours and yeah every is it a lash school no it was at an esthetician school oh okay yeah so there's uh, most other states you need an esthetician or cosmetology license to do lash extensions and Texas is the only one that has this eyelash extension specialty license you know it sucks I love Wisconsin is great and I wouldn't be where I am now if I you know didn't start there because I didn't need licensing but it is important I don't think you need an esthetician license I think you know a basic license for like the eyelash extension specialty license is great but you know if you don't take if it's not taken seriously, like if people aren't going to take lash extension seriously or like, you know, they're just going to do it from YouTube or look at 
just wing it people aren't going to take you seriously either and this I think a lot of the time there's just like this horrible stigma with the beauty industry that it's kind of like a joke you know I'm sure I don't know how you feel about it but like I'm sure there's a million girls that are like well yeah I can spray tan like, yeah it is well spray tanning it's different because it's not like your eyeball where microblading <laughs> like I feel like spray tanning it's kind of like the one where it's like okay well it does wash away and I feel like that's right. why so many women get into it but they only last mm-hmm. a few months I mean so it's just like you see them pop up all the time and then they go away because it's a hustle you know it's not right. and it's a fast service so you need a, a huge clientele you can't just oh, and they don't sure come back schedule your next lash appointment your lashes are going to be falling out in a you know three weeks spray mm-hmm. tans it's very like event-based so it's just a different service yeah so you're in so you move back to austin and then you just start a whole new lash business new name new everything oh, yeah so i moved here and you know a lot of people ask how i got clients here and everything and i moved yeah um, how did you get clients here yeah <laughs> So before I left Milwaukee, I started hashtagging Austin lashes, ATX lashes on all of my posts. And even when I was still working in Milwaukee, girls here would be like, where are you? You know, like, can I book with you? And I'm I'm like, oh, my God, like, I wasn't even expecting it. And I was like, oh, I'm not there yet. Like, I'm moving there in April. And so before I had even touched down here I had um lash appointments set up which was wild to me I was like oh my god I have like clients already and that's amazing yeah it was crazy and it was really just from social media that is it so I moved down here obviously I was doing it um without a license (laughs) but I had already been in business for a while so I wasn't just you know starting from scratch but I, yeah, I had a, I mean, you remember I had like a little studio in the back of a house. Uh-huh. And, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm, and I picked, we picked that house because it had that little studio in the back of it. So it worked out really well for me. Um, and it really took off. I had a couple of influencers right away and I did um, their lashes and they posted about me and I was like, oh my God, like it took off even more from there. And a lot of people ask me about like working with influencers and whatnot. And you work with a lot of them too, but yeah, they, I did their lashes, wasn't really expecting anything because you don't ever really know if people are like actually have a following or they mm-hmm. paid for all these you know, followers and no, it helped me a lot. And so, did you just DM these influencers? Honestly, I can't. I believe it started with my friend now, of course, um, Audrey. And she, I can't remember if she started following me, if I started following her. And I was like, I think I DM'd her and I was like, you know, hey, if, you're, if you ever want lashes, let me know. And something simple like that. I mean, it was more professional, but. <laughs> Um, yeah. And she DM'd me back. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Let me just do this girl's lashes. I didn't even realize her, what her following was from, but she was on a reality show on MTV. I had never even heard of it. And um, her friend who was also on the show came to me too. And 
they helped me a lot. They helped me get clients for sure. But I would definitely say like my social media here attracts a way younger clientele than Milwaukee. And I kind of just kept going with that vibe and it worked out. And I think you should always remember to hashtag because I cannot tell you how many girls have come to me and been like, oh, yeah, I just put like ATX lashes and you came up like I never Mm -hmm. use this for services, you know, and I'm amazed at how many people use the hashtags for services. So don't forget to use hashtags. Yeah. What are some of your like go to hashtags if you don't mind sharing? Oh, I think you should always definitely share the city that you're in and put lashes on the end of it. Um, I And you should do the outlying cities as well. So like San Antonio or San Marcos, Dallas. Just try to, you know, get the biggest reach that you can. And then like... Yeah, so geotagged based hashtags basically. Right, basically, exactly. And it works for sure. Yeah, so you are working out of your house. That's everything's going great. And then, you know, COVID, <laughs> the good old COVID. Oh, so I think man. I sprayed you right before COVID really happened. I think, yeah, I think I did. What a what a waste of a spray tan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? Um, I, I, li- okay, I'm probably like a big germaphobe to some people my family can attest to this as well as my friends. And I think like, I don't know if you remember that movie contagion, which I'm sure you remember now because I feel like people talked about it during COVID. But when contagion came out, my family was like, you're not allowed to watch this because you're a hypochondriac, you're a germaphobe. You're going to think this is real and you can't watch this. And then COVID happened. And like, I was really scared in the beginning. So I closed before most people, not much like um, more before but like probably a week before most people closed and or you had to close or whatever and it scared me I was like and I have all of my friends are in the medical field and they're like no it's like it's real you know and we're gonna get like national guards gonna come in and they scared the shit out of me so I stopped working and I am so bummed out that this all happened of course I will never be able to wrap my head fully around how the government has worked through this but like the fact that we opened what was it like the second week of May we reopened and Mm -hmm. their cases in Austin were soaring at the time and I was like we got shut down when there was like 70 cases in Austin (laughs) and like we couldn't work it's so weird (laughs) you know and like now there was like 10,000 and they're like head head on out back to work I thought that was so confusing but you know now with all of the numbers that have come out I obviously feel a little bit different about the whole situation Um, yeah so how how is it going for you now how was it like reopening you're not out of your house anymore what's no I um moved during COVID and I had already found a new location to work out of so I'm in a little temporary workspace um, and it has definitely not gone back to normal. It's picking up more and more, of course, as I assumed it would. And I think that, you know, it will end up going back to normal. But I had a ton of girls in the, you know, industry service industry 
they weren't going back to work. And some of them still aren't back to work. And I had a lot of stripper clients and, you know, they didn't go back to work for a while either. So are they at back I, at work? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I think some of the strip clubs require the dancers to wear masks. Are you serious? It's so yeah. weird. I don't know how enforced it is, but yeah, it's pretty weird. But yeah, I can't blame these people if they don't have the money, you know, yeah. they can't come back. And it's a luxury service and it's not, you know, I never want this to turn into like a place where you spend $40 and get your nails done on, you know, any corner you could go in. But it, you know, people didn't go back to work. So I didn't go back to work either. Oh yeah. Did you get, did you get any of the loans or anything like that? I did not. Um, I, I, I kind of, I was fine financially. Like it, you know, it hit people, other people a lot harder than me and I've had savings and I just was like, I don't need to take money from other people. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. So, um, but it's picking up now. I just think there's still people that are scared. There's still people that, you know, can't go back to work or haven't gone back to work. And it's not, a, it can't be a part of their disposable income. So has this shifted like your business model or anything like that? Um, honestly, I think I was like, oh my God, like I need to do online courses. So I've started, you know, working on online courses for people that are too scared or you know it, I have a large reach on Instagram that goes way beyond just Austin so it helps me like get other lash techs um, involved in my courses that I can't do in person but I right when COVID hit I had all of these sweatshirts that I had purchased and I hadn't like started selling them yet and I was like okay gotta sell these now and um, yeah shifting to online presence is important but I think more than anything, COVID has prepared us for what we will do in another COVID. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. How we're going to handle this, how you spend your money, how you save your money. Um, just, yeah, I think. Well, there's just no security. The has to go. No, there isn't. And it's not, you know, it's not our jobs. It's not just service industry jobs that have no security. My friends in healthcare, their hours all got cut too. Like, so. Well, it's interesting when you talk about security is because that's why I even became a business owner in the beginning is because I got fired from a full-time job and I was like, oh, I'll be a business owner and that's my security. But then COVID happens and then you don't even have your own security when you're a business owner. It's just. No. And it's just the scariest thing, you know, to have someone else shut your business down. Mm-hmm. Like in California, yes. we're still shut down. Like I my know. salon's not supposed to be open. And... They opened up hair salons and barber shops at 25% indoor. And that's it. They don't have no eyelash technicians are supposed to be working. Estheticians, spray tans, nothing. Oh, and, and I think that's a lot two of months. Are working illegally. Oh, yeah, I am. But what am I supposed to do? You know what? Like, I have never been more confused by the state of the United States. Like, I just don't even know. I feel like some days I'm just like, this is just totally political. You know, the red states are open. The blue states are closed. But I just don't even, I don't even know where to begin with all of that. But it is wild. And, you know, throwing 
throwing Americans $1,200 is not going to cut it. So no. And if you know, you're a business owner listening to this and you are shut down, I haven't been caught. I haven't gotten in trouble. I've had no warnings. Just, you know, use your own discretion. Of course, like I'm not going to say open your doors today, but people yeah, are I did see um, <laughs> there was people posting like an, on Facebook that there was girls getting called out on Facebook by TDLR, which is Texas Department of, you know, licensing and regulation. So t- TDLR was like, hey, Brittany, we see you're still working. Like you're That's not allowed so to do funny. that, and you're gonna get fined, which is so wild too. Because it's like these people are only working because they're trying to provide for themselves or their family, and yeah, because yeah, the government hasn't given us anything. You know, there's right. no more PPP loans. There's no more no. extra unemployment. What okay. do they expect? I truly don't know. It's it's such a wild time, but it is. I think it has, you know, it's shown even people in nine to fives like having your own side hustle is also important yeah I firmly agree strongly agree that everyone should have a side hustle everyone Mm -hmm. there's no reason social media I'm not a fan fan of MLMs but if that's your thing like just do some kind of side hustle yeah having like Uh, anything on e-commerce would help so (laughs) yeah Okay, so tell me a little bit about your mentorship. How's that going? How'd you get that set up? You know what? I get the most fulfilled when girls on Instagram DM me and ask me questions. I mean, other lash techs. And I just like helping people. That's like where I feel good. And that's where I feel like most useful. I know my clients love getting their lashes done and I love doing lashes. It's like a cathartic experience to just like relax and do someone's lashes. But I just really like helping girls and I want other girls to succeed at this. And there's a lot of girls doing lashes, but this is not an oversaturated market. You know, like everyone, you know, does hair, everyone can do lashes and there's, we can't think of each other as competition. There's enough clients to go around for everyone. And I truly just like want to help people. And that's where I want to transition my business. I love doing lashes and there's going to become a time where I cannot physically do them because it does take such a toll on your body and your mental health. (laughs) But I love helping girls and like, I, that's where I want to go with this. So I've trained girls in the past and Um, I have continued to help them and, you know, girls will DM me on Instagram and have a question and I'm like, oh, this is like a lot to type back. I'm like, why don't you just call me? So I'll end (laughs) up like having like random people that I don't know hit me up and talk to them for an hour or whatever and try and help them with their business. And I think like, I do love doing that, but it's still my time at some point. And I'm like, I should, you know, be trying to monetize off of this as well. And if people are, there's so many people willing to reach out to me and talk to me, then I should be able to um, help them in some way. Yeah. So you see it kind of like stop taking clients, just be full on mentorship and training. I mean, I would love that. I would love it. I think like, I love doing lashes and I would love to always have like a couple clients or be doing my friends or something, but yeah, that's where I see it. And I am, 
I just signed a lease on a space um, in Austin to have uh, enough room to train girls and then have a couple girls rent from me. So that's really where like I'm seeing my the business go. That's and it was interesting. You told me that you're gonna rent out to other lash artists, right? Yeah, lash artists. So how is that gonna work? I mean, honestly, like again, like (laughs) I just want to help people if you know girls want to rent for me that are lash techs and I feel like maybe someone that reaches out to me which I still do to this day there's girls that reach out to me on Instagram and they'll send me like looks that they're going for for lashes and I'm like you know you might be better suited with this lash artist instead of me so I'm always willing to like help other people and if there's girls renting for me and I can't take someone, then I can send them to them. But I don't want yeah. these girls as employees, you know. <laughs> I want them to work for themselves and make their own money and still work harder. So what is your space gonna be called? Hey, you know what? A, a couple of people have asked me that and I'm like, I don't I don't think I'm gonna name it. I mean I guess really? I have fuck mascara on the door. It's a yeah. small <laughs> It's a small space, um, and I also like. I maybe I would have fuck mascara on the door, but if girls are gonna be renting for me, it can't just all be about me, you know. So yeah, I might have everyone's name on the door. Um, and it when I had a salon, I did it like it was called the studio, and then I had mm-hmm. everyone's business names on the window, and that kind yeah. of like right, just kind of an umbrella type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's not like you where it is located there's not like um foot traffic so people are going to be going there because they have an appointment already you know yeah and it was interesting what you talked about kind of like transitioning out like I can't do lashes forever so would you say to like a girl in the beauty industry like think long term like hey you need to open a salon or hey what are you going to do because I see all these hairstylists that you can't do hair until mm-hmm. they're 55, 60. What I do you mean, do? There's definitely hairstylists probably doing that. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, like, well, maybe I older, like 70. <laughs> I can't speak for the hairstylist. But or I lash artist, I was just speaking artist, in general. Right. As a lash artist, is like, I think a lot of girls move into different areas of the beauty industry. So... When I, going back in time, when I broke up with my Milwaukee, first Milwaukee boyfriend, (laughs) and I moved back to Chicago, I was like, fuck, like, I can't do lashes in Illinois, I am screwed, and what am I going to do? And I was like, okay, I'm going to go get trained in microblading, because I could do that in Illinois. I was like, that's fine, this is what I'm going to do, I can do this. So I went to, I went to California. I went to Woodland Hills and trained with like an amazing microblading company. And I fucking hated it. I hate microblading. I can't do it. It scares the shit out of me. Don't make me cut your face off. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know what it was. It was like, you know, if a girl comes comes to me and gets her lashes done sits up looks in the mirror and is like these are disgusting which has only happened one time in my career <laughs> I can take them off on the spot if you sit up and don't like what I've tattooed on your face 
like you're gonna have to you're gonna you might have to have like removal and it was too much for me to handle and it was just too stressful so I mean I got trained in microblading and hated it but I think a lot of girls lash lash artists can transition into other areas like that where maybe it's not as intensive where you're like hunched over all day um but yeah I think you've got to think long term do you want to be doing lashes forever do you want to train people do you want to um you know open your own space like that there's a lot to think about but you do have to think like you cannot do this forever I don't think your hands can handle it um train other girls and have them work under you I guess is another option but yeah you should think long term if you want to put put you know your energy and money into this career yeah what's one of the biggest hurdles you're going through right now with your business um I think I mean COVID for sure has been a hurdle uh obviously for everyone just regaining clients but with that being said, and I think like a lot of people have um, been so hurt by COVID in our industry, like there could be another pandemic, but there is always going to be something where you're going to lose clients and you're going to have to make more clients come. So, you know, you have to be willing to put in the work to rebuild clientele at any time in your life. You don't know what could happen. There's always going to be obstacles. Even just moving from Milwaukee to, to Austin, you know, I had to rebuild the clientele. I lost all of those clients. And... I know. I don't know how. I, that's It's so <laughs> hard to walk away from and then rebuild. Like, I'm still rebuilding right. in Austin. And it takes to – how long did it take for you to feel like, okay, I'm financially, like, able to do this? I was so blessed and lucky, and it happened really fast for me here. I feel like I was here for, like, a month, and I was – busy it's so funny I I'm I'm planning so much about the heat you know over the past couple weeks it was so hot and my boyfriend was like it was hotter last summer like what's wrong with you (laughs) and I was like what were we doing like I don't remember it being this hot and he was like you have more clients you were inside all day (laughs) but (laughs) I was busier you know and yeah it happened right away I was pretty busy but again, like going back to obstacles, like you're always, there's always going to be something, you know, you could get pregnant and <laughs> you could, yeah, that is because of thing. your husband or wife, or there's always going to be an obstacle and you're always going to have to rebuild and you have to have it in you to be like, all right, let's do this. Like, how can I do this? How can I rebuild this? So yeah, I remember spray tanning, <laughs> super pregnant and it was, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot even imagine. I was like a whale trying to spray tan. And when you spray tan, you have to get like pretty low. And at some points I was like, I'm not going to get back up. This is just, I'm just going to lay here. <laughs> You're like, uh, can you help me up, please? Squatting. Yeah. I spray tan like a week before I gave birth. So it was like, I was telling clients, I'm like, hey, you know, it might just happen. And we never know. Water might break. <laughs> yeah. Never I'm going to mess know. up your spray tan. Right. <laughs> so gross <laughs> God. Uh, but there's you know you have to prepare for life changes they're always gonna happen That's just yeah so works. your five-year goal so mentoring I think we talked about privately like you want to have like 
different salons that you're kind of just like the landlord and renting spaces out? I would love that. I feel like, so the places I've rented to do lashes out of, like, especially in Milwaukee as well, were, you know, what are these places called? They're like Sola salons or like. Oh God, I hate Sola salons. I'm sorry. (laughs) There's all these places and I rented from a dingy, and I'm sorry if anyone is still working there is listening to me. (laughs) like it was a tiny and my clients will remember it was like a small room it was not cute it had no windows I was basically in a dungeon for you know nine hours a day and I paid not a lot of rent but it was gross I didn't even feel happy like having people come there and I want there to be like some cooler places to rent from so I always thought that would be like such a cool idea to have like more modern you know less like gross places for girls to rent from no I love that idea too I've thought about that as well and like Mm -hmm. I also see a lot of I refer to hairstylists a lot because I feel like I have like a lot of hairstylist friends and I have one girl who they charge if they want to sell products, they only give them 5% commission off the products that they're able to sell in the salon. They're not able to sell anything in the salon what? without giving. Oh, yes. like booth rentals? Yeah, booth rentals. They yeah. charge them a crazy premium. And then if they sell products out of their space, it's like, okay, you only get 5% commission no matter what. I and mean, that's what, just crazy to even, me. There's no incentive there for me. No, and it's just like that's not if you're in a salon like that I really encourage you to look for a different space because that's just not a way to run business Mm -hmm. and I've even had um I had a girl I don't remember what I think she was in LA she was working out of her house doing lashes and um she was like I feel like I can't charge as much and I was like no (laughs) like your work (laughs) is good you people are contacting you you need to charge what like you your competition is charging just because you're working out of your house doesn't mean you know you should charge less. you have to find like you know spaces has to work for you too but I just think you know that's a big obstacle for girls in my industry as well as like not knowing their worth and charging too little yeah we can touch a little bit on like your worth I think that's a big topic is knowing your pricing like did you gauge your pricing just on your competition or um yeah so pricing is always a big question for like girls always reach out to me and ask that question and I think you have to my thing that I always tell people is how much would you be willing to pay for your lashes and in the beginning when I started doing lashes I was like well I wouldn't pay anything for these like nope so I took clients for months without charging them I just took them as models and just kept practicing until I felt comfortable but yeah you need to obviously you have to gauge your pricing off of your work if your work is shit um don't charge a lot but your competition is important too. You don't want to, and you don't want to compare yourself to the person charging $40 for lash extensions because is that what you want for your business? No, you, you want to be like the girl that's charging $300 for a set. So you need to gauge your prices more on that. And um, 
yeah, I think like you need to find someone to, you know, look up to and want to be as good as or better than. And that's where your prices should go. Obviously, it's hard for me to tell girls what to charge because it is so different in every city. You know, like Austin is different from Milwaukee. Milwaukee is different from the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma. So yeah, it's and obviously it's like different in LA or New York and Miami. It's all, um, you know, it's all important to look at all these different factors, but that's a huge question and knowing your worth and. Yeah. I had someone who got a free spray tan from me, like a gift certificate. They won from a promo I did in December of 2019 and they called me yes two days ago and they're like oh it expires in December but I want to get it in next May what? and I was like well yeah and I'm like what and she's like well I don't feel safe because of COVID and I was like okay but COVID didn't happen till March you still yeah, had that window it, and girl. and then you know it's not December yet <laughs> you know like we still have a few months like you might feel comfortable then and then she's like, "I well, I'm leaving the state. And then gets mad at me for not extending it. And Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like those moments. It's like, you know, my boyfriend's like, you should have just done it. Like, whatever. I'm like, but at one point, do you stand your ground? And it's like, you had a year. It's a free spray tan. Like, yeah. You know, there's got to be some kind of line. There's mm-hmm. just has to be. Yeah, a lot of people And that's people just something you me. learn as with time. Yes because you you value your time more um yeah when you'll get over doing cheap services and you'll get to a point where like i literally won't do this for that money anymore and you'll bump up your prices Mm -hmm. people constantly dm and they're like if you ever do like discounts let me know i mean i don't i don't respond to those messages usually but no i don't do discounts like um i'm not i like for what uh I seriously like girls ask me all the time like other lash techs like do you do promos or just like no I think when you're starting out and you need to get a clientele go for it but when I moved to Austin I didn't have like a discounted rate like this is your you want the clients that are gonna pay for that for that you know price that you have already and of course when COVID restarted or when we reopened after I gave discounts to my old clients because I I think like I have like guilt within me I mean I wasn't working either I didn't need to give them a discount but I was like oh there were some girls that like you know just got a full set and then I was like bye I can't take you anymore so there was like a guilt factor for me but you definitely didn't need to discount when you reopened either because it's not your fault it wasn't their fault wasn't your fault but you know, you're, this is your business. I yeah. think discounting your work or like Groupons for places is not always the way to go. You don't want to be that cheaper option for people. And you don't want those clients that are like only wanting that discounted price tag. And those clients are the ones that complain the most, just FYI. The ones that want a deal will complain oh, yeah. and leave you a bad Yelp review. I swear I've gone through it so many times. It's not it's like it is wild. It's wildly true and embarrassing that that is real. But it is. It's like those are the people that you're gonna have to stay up and text 
with. Those are the people that you're going to have to, you know, have them come back in and touch their work up. It's the people that unfortunately, like, don't tip you or, yeah, ask for discounts. Yeah, it always works out like that. And you have you can sense it in your body when those people reach out to you. It's you know what I mean? I know the minute they text me, the minute they text me, the question that they ask, I know. And I'm like, oh, crap, here we go. And every time you take them, you're like, yes, because you can't say no. Yeah, you can't say no. (laughs) It was going to be like this. And I shouldn't have said yes in the first place. And uh, you always like have to hit yourself later it's so funny but it, it's like clockwork with these people um I know clients are a whole nother trip I did you know you don't touch your clients and I think that I learned something from another lash tech recently that I found so interesting and I just want to share this because like I can't get it out of my head so I have found doing girls lashes to be sometimes mentally draining um I don't talk as much anymore because of COVID with my clients but you hear so much about people's personal (laughs) lives and you do too I know you do yes I mean girls are getting naked in front of you uh that's (laughs) they'll talk about anything at that they get naked and they spill all their secrets yes I don't understand it (laughs) (laughs) I mean I girls obviously spilled to me and it sometimes is like mentally draining. Like I take that energy, you know, you take it with you. And like, I think about things like that for like the rest of the day, if something horrible happened to somebody or, you know, some, it's like a lot. And I found out that there's so much with like skin to skin energy transfer. And you should always have like some sort of a barrier between you and the person's forehead. So like, obviously while I'm doing people's lashes like I'm touching their skin with my hand Mm -hmm. and there should be a barrier because you're like absorbing their energy and people have learned that if they do have like some sort of a barrier between them the clients won't spill as much or (laughs) that's so interesting I mean you don't really touch people but it's good for all those other girls I think like it is so much. And that is another reason that I would like to transition more into training and mentorship because I really do just want to help people. And I know that like lashes do help people with their confidence and everything. But it is like taxing on your mental health to like absorb all this like, you know, knowledge from people's personal lives and it's an undertaking. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely is. Um, what are some apps, resources, stuff that you use? I know I watched your video and you used a bazaar mm-hmm. and it's, I literally create all my graphics through that, through don't, from my Instagram. Oh my God, I love it. So that video, <laughs> that video was awesome. Yay. Yeah. Cause I love your graphics. So what do you, I know we want have that video, but what their tools or in case someone hasn't watched that video. I mean, for sure. The video is still up. The link is in my bio. You just have to drop your email. Um, <laughs> but I yeah that's probably like another huge question I get asked all the time is like what apps do I use and there is so many editing apps on Instagram it is mind-boggling and I used Photoshop for the longest time because I had that skill from college and um from my sister who does graphic design and I learned Photoshop and I used that forever and then I was like oh look you can literally just do this on your phone <laughs> so 
Um, <laughs> Bizarre is huge. I love Pixar. Um, Visco I use for everything. Tezza I love. Um, Lightroom. What else do I use? I have a whole list of apps. And I also love Grids, Over, Unfold is big for stories. I don't know if you have that one. You should get um, it. I've used it a <laughs> yeah. few times. I use, yeah. Um, Storylux is similar to Unfold, and I love that too. And I use Facetune for all of my, you know, editing of the eyeballs because you want them to oh that's good. interesting yeah. you i mean you have to so you edit like the red veins and right. all that like you, they're a little bit yellow yeah. <laughs> so you know you're oh, taking wow. pictures super close to people's uh, faces and you can see their pores and sometimes their makeup freezing and maybe their eyes are a little red so facetune is huge and i use facetune too and i most of these you have to pay for like the professional or like the upgraded. So I spend a decent amount of money on apps. <laughs> but it's important. Do you plan your social or do you just kind of wing it? I touched on this a little. And I'd like to plan my social more. But I go through like periods of being super motivated and periods of not being motivated at all. And I think that more has to do with like, my anxiety and personal mental health where like I stop putting stuff into my business which is terrible but I'm just being honest and I don't plan it out as much I'd like to plan it more uh, but I don't and I do have those apps I have um pre where you can like see how it fits into your aesthetic and you know if it looks cohesive with your feed which is really important but no I don't like batch my work or anything I'm pretty terrible at that I don't either I don't at all. I'm a full on wing it person. Mm -hmm. I do a little bit for don't call me girl boss Instagram because I can plan it out more. Right. But with uh, Sunless Ray, I have to rely on people's after photos. So that's a big thing with spray tanning. It's like I can't take a photo when I'm there. So I have right. to rely on the after photo. So I don't have a huge base of content. Yeah, no, for sure. So that's challenging. Of course. And it's harder to for you to be like, can I take a picture of your skin? yeah they're gonna be like no you weirdo and I don't like the pictures of the girls just moving their thong no. like I'm just not a fan of that no. it's basic it's just, just like, like it's not, not cute. cute and you're like it's hard to even rely on people to take any good quality pictures of things after the fact so well that and like I've seen spray tanners literally post pictures of girls butts and I'm like <laughs> what like tough. how is that <laughs> Yeah, it's like you want your Instagram to have a certain kind of vibe, not like this, like, you know, I don't want mine to look sexual <laughs> at all. And you can easily go that way with spray tanning. That is so funny because my sister, when I was trying to come up with the name for Fuck Mascara, um, I was like, but like, when you look at my Instagram, like, what do you like get from it? And my sister's like, tits and ass. <laughs> so. Do not get that at all. <laughs> She always, like, saw pictures of butts or something. I feel like sometimes I use, like, more sexual <laughs> pictures. Not of myself. But, but there's like, a, there's a way to do it that's tasteful. <laughs> like, there's very, like, cute photos. But I promise you, I will not be able to get that <laughs> cute pose on my iPhone no. right after spray tanning no. you. you. You know? It's hard. And it's going to be, like, a Pinterest graphic. <laughs> right. You can't rely on clients 
to do it either. And you, sh- I mean, like, it's not their no. responsibility, but like, girls will send me pictures of their lashes, you know, when they go home or they'll t- take selfies. And I'm like, but you have a filter on it. I can't, you know, like, that's not my work. There's, there's like a Snapchat filter with lashes over my lashes. I can't use that. Oh my gosh. Uh, and you're like, look how good it looks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't, I can't take that as my own. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you kind of want to share with the audience? Any tips, tricks, or anything like that? Um, hashtags for sure. Find, reach out to people. And I think like a lot of girls are always like, how do I get clients? How do I get clients? You know, I also, before I moved here, I followed like every girl in Austin on my lash page. And, um, I, started engaging with their social media just liking pictures commenting and whatever um maybe they won't book with you but maybe they'll remember you and you know tell their friend or whatever uh but you know also this is like such a big community in itself um the beauty industry and reaching out and doing trade with people is so important there's you know you have clients that I will never have and I think like vice versa and people always ask me like, like, I swear to God, I get like new people every week that are, have just moved to Austin from somewhere. And they ask me for all of the beauty girls. And I, you know, who's a good spray tanner? Who does Botox? Who does microblading? Who does waxing? And it's such a big community and you have to connect with other people in the community. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be just you're by yourself in this. Like this is a huge community of mostly women that you should be interacting with all the time. Well, yeah, a huge way I get clients is reaching out to eyelash artists like yourself. When I first moved here, Uh, other hairstylists, like think about people who already have a clientele, Yes, you know, who talk to women, Mm -hmm. like that's the fastest way to grow. I think that's even stronger than working with influencers, to be honest. Oh, I agree. I think it's a different kind of reach. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you have to. And it's like, you feel like you have more people to talk with about things that you know you're both going through like how I can talk to you or how I can talk to the girl here that does my hair there's so many and it's such a good community and I just wish you know there was less of a competition vibe and more of a building each other up vibe I do too and you know what I did realize moving to Texas it's it's better it's not as competitive but in California (laughs) it's terrible like so bad like I'm blocked by so many spray tan artists in California and these spray tan artists are like women support women lift each other's crowns and I'm like bullshit you guys are the biggest assholes out there you know it just it's literally my biggest pet peeve people ask me what my pet peeve is and I'm like that I'm like women pretending that they support other women when they don't yeah, to to get likes on social media. Mm-hmm. That's what that's for. And it's to get take money from you. And it is, that's what that is. So and I see it easier. all the time. It's so much easier to be nice and to help someone and, you know, to create, like, a better environment. And it's funny that you're like, it's better in Austin. But coming from Milwaukee, like, it's way worse for me here. And Really? Yeah, it's more, you know, it's more like, I mean, Milwaukee is a smaller town and it's just like yeah. more. There's so many more lash techs here that it's just. There's a lot more competition, and 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I had uh, interaction with a girl that does lashes here, like, I don't know, a couple months after I moved here because she had <laughs> she had taken one of my pictures from my Instagram and posted it on her on her feed. And I was like, dude, like, it wasn't like a repost <laughs> of like, you know, it was like actual lashes that I had made and like laid out or whatever. And I said something to her in the nicest way possible because that is who I am. And I was like, oh my God, like, you know, if you ever like post again, like, will you tag me at least or something? And she got mad at me. And it's so funny <laughs> that sh- this happened because now I'm really good friends with her. And <laughs> she's like, that's a good so funny. Check that I can like, you know, go to and talk about our same issues with. But yeah, I just think like, you, you have to support one another. It's so much more important than being a bitch. Like, it's so much easier to be nice and so much easier to help people and respond kindly to DMs. And I don't know. I just wish it was a little different. And men will never know this. They will never go through this weird, like, catty bitchiness. It's just not the same. And nor will they understand it. <laughs> like when no. you're like trying well, they're to dealing explain. with their own insecurities and their own issues and their own oh. jealousy oh my God. And... but so that's where it comes know. from and stems from it sucks but that's uh, just the name of the yeah, game it is and i think that's truly why like training people is more my more my move to help girls that you know are looking to make some money and make a career for themselves yeah. Um, is there any questions that you have for me? Yes. I was thinking a lot about questions for you. And I wanted to know your favorite and least favorite parts about spray tanning. Okay. Uh, <laughs> favorite thing. Um, I do love that it's kind of an art form. I spray tan a little bit different than other artists. So so I kind of go curved towards Mm -hmm. more towards the body where a lot of spray tanners just go in a straight line. Mm -hmm. And I just don't ever understand why that's a thing when the body's not a straight line. (laughs) Um, So and then everybody's different. So when you get a client, you never know what they look like or anything like that. So every time it's like a challenge or how their body looks and things like that. So that's always fun. And then just how clients feel afterwards, Mm -hmm. like they're instantly happy. And they're like, holy shit, this is amazing. Agreed. And they're happy. That is such a good feeling when people feel better about themselves immediately. It's instant gratification with lashes. And yeah. And it's just, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, see, this is what you need to be doing with your life. Like, I promise if you have a, are having a bad day, just get a spray tan, get your lashes done and you will feel better. I promise. Amazing. You will feel amazing. <laughs> Yes. And the least favorite thing is spray tanning is a flipping mess. It is like the solution gets everywhere. The biggest challenge of owning a salon that spray tans is the extraction system. And I feel like a lot of spray tanners don't even realize this because you're doing mobiles and it's one spray tan and then you leave. But when you're doing 20 to 30 spray tans back to back, your salon will become a disaster. So your extraction system is super important. And so that's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. And so that's definitely the biggest challenge and that something I wild. hate the most. I is. never even realized that until I think I said something to you about like, oh, I'm going to have like this space. And it would be cool to have like someone spray tan or for me to spray tan there. And you were like, <laughs> you're like, that's a whole thing, Morgan. It's not just like. <laughs> yeah. Well, because you don't know. You think it's so easy because it's like spray tan artists. Right. Like they're like, you know, 
you find a good one, they'll rent from you. It's perfect. You can refer your clients. It's just like such an easy partnership. But if they don't know what they're doing and they'll ruin your salon. Oh my God. Yeah. Nope. White wall. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, you there's a lot of ways. You just need a good extraction mm-hmm. system and different things. But yeah, if you get someone who's just started, it's going to be a mess. Well, then what is your dream in five years? My dream in five years. Um, it doesn't even have to have a, you know, a time stamp on it. But um, a dream. Well, it's it's hard because like a dream versus a goal. Like that's something I know I'm gonna achieve. So I'll leave that out. But a dream is just to be self sufficient, happy, being able to travel travel with my family, and have like a successful online business and own multiple multiple salons and honestly not spray tanning that much just doing like higher profile clients and then having girls work under me yes I mean you're kind of halfway there let's be real you have (laughs) yeah um, multiple salons you have people working under yeah I just need to be I just need to be making more money (laughs) (laughs) it's like still like the beginning we all do so yeah but it's like I'm working, but where's the money? I don't know. No, you're on your way there. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> yeah, so that's the dream is just to be, you know, secure and spending time with the family and just, yeah, not working as much, like doing the physical service. My boyfriend always says, he's like, if you are doing the service, you're not the business owner. You're the service provider. Mm-hmm. And when he first said that to me, I was like, wow, like, fuck you, because that's like a slap in the face, <laughs> you know, but mm-hmm. I'm like older and more mature in my business. I realized, wow, he's like really right. It takes up I your need time, to like, you know? Yeah. And he's like, you're time doing mediocre things when you need to be marketing. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. The service isn't like the main focus. Obviously, it needs to be good, but mm-hmm. that's not the end game. Sounds like you got so a good So that's one. been hard, too. <laughs> yeah god sometimes it's too (laughs) real I'm like can you just like tell me I'm amazing and that's it (laughs) I'm sure he does that too but it's good to have someone to push you I think that's like such an important thing to have you know ambitious people around you and people that are gonna push you to do more instead of just being like you're doing great sweetie (laughs) oh yeah he's never like yes he's he's the reason that I even started doing the moose during COVID to be honest because he's like you need to get on this and yeah, he's kind of like my little like bird in my ear telling me. Good. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, That's I'm like, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you have any other questions or? I don't think so. I do wanted to offer. Um, I have obviously for any lash tech listening, I have um, my own lashes available on my site. So I also have. My sweatshirts are still on there too. If you don't do lashes, you can still benefit from the code. But I was offering 20% off for listeners, your listeners, of course, with the code BOSS. So if there's anyone that needs lashes or sweatshirts, <laughs> head over there. And they go to fuckmascara.com, yes, correct? Fuck mascara with a V. Perfect. And then let's just do a few local shout outs. Um, your favorite place to eat in Austin? Oh my God. I love Mexican food, but my shout out in Austin is Mongers. It's a seafood place. It used to be on the east side. Oh, wow. And now they moved um, a little further north. They're on Guadalupe, like north. I'm not sure what the cross street is. 
but you can google it um mongers is so good i would die without it and <laughs> my, any mexican food here you i can't queso just i'll eat anything truly it's a nightmare city for me to live in <laughs> <laughs> and then your favorite place to shop i'm terrible i'm like the worst i'm such an online shopper and I need to support, you know, small businesses more around Austin, but I, online shopping is like just, it's too convenient for me. What's your online shops place? What's uh, your favorite online stores? Like probably Revolve. It's so basic, but it's real. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, give a beauty girl a shout out. Um, I'm going to give another lash artist a shout out. Unfortunately, I do not have lashes on right now and I have not gotten them this has been the longest period of my life without lashes, but um, COVID has just, you know, made me just reevaluate my time. Maybe I don't know. I am going to <laughs> shout out my my lash tech, um, Christina, and her Instagram is Looming Lashes, and she is a lash god, and she kills classics too. So if you want classic lashes. You should hit her up because I hate doing classic lashes. <laughs> and I usually send all of them to her. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I think people will have some great takeaways from this and hopefully learn and become, learn from our mistakes, to be honest, and become better than I what we did. So. I hope so. <laughs> and any girls can always feel free to DM me questions. Um, and I also have mentoring calls available to book with me so all of that is linked in yes Instagram and take bio. that up <laughs> take it up because seriously if you can just dm someone i think people forget how easy it is to dm people yes for sure and people forget how easy it is to google information <laughs> oh yeah that too <laughs> well thank you again of course i'm so happy i got to do this with you thanks Jeff. yeah have a great rest of your day you too Bye.